0: As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you, mad?
1: Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you mad? Okay, hi Jake, welcome to my house, how you doing?
0: Oh, uh, hello, good to be here, Lisa, in this... Terrestrial throwback podcast.
1: <laughs> Isn't it funny that now uh, it'll be like always Zoom, but then sometimes it'll be like, "Look at this special in-person podcast." <laughs> you know what
0: was crazy? It was when we all started recording shit over Zoom. It's probably extends to other like mm-hmm. types of work, but like as soon as it became like really easy, like a few weeks in, and I was like, "Oh, there's a method, like a way to do this." Yeah. I was like. We wasted all that time.
1: Commuting. taking trains
0: (laughs) to do podcasts and shit. Yeah. That was so stupid.
1: As soon as we were forced to learn, we learned. Um, And also, like,
0: if we had thought of this beforehand, before everyone else thought of it, we could have been, in theory, like...
1: Geniuses. competing with everyone at
0: like a higher rate because it's like, how are they making so much podcasts? Do they have all this free time? It's like, no, you just use Zoom.
1: Yeah. It also gives you the ability, one of the ways that it opens stuff up is to uh, be able to invite guests from other cities, which I think we didn't do as much. It was only like if you were doing like a live show in their town or they came to your town, right? Yeah. So now everybody on their podcast is like, yeah, here's somebody from Atlanta. Here's somebody from LA. Here's somebody, you know, which is cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think this pandemic uh, did show us some good things for how to relate to each other and how to do our art and our work. Um, but also, maybe showed us some bad shit. Yeah, sorry. Flies get into my house because I leave the door open for the cat to walk in and out of the backyard. <laughs> um, but um, I wanted to talk to you about maybe like something that the fucking pandemic showed me actually was that how to, like, think again about what I'm actually enjoying and what is a responsibility that doesn't bring joy to my life. Not to sound like that Japanese lady that (laughs) is trying to make everybody clean their room. Yeah. But I am doing really well in my life right now in a lot of ways. And really the only stress point in my life is running one show twice a month. (laughs) And it's, like, barely anything. So I keep thinking about you guys, who, like, it's, like, your whole thing to be hustling to get spots, and to put on shows, and to go on the road, and to do all these things. And I've had a couple of conversations, more than a couple, with comics who... I've seen them at shows, you know? So they're, like, they want to show up. They want to be part of the community or whatever, and, like, still support and see what's out there. But then they've been like, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to be... Like, I had one comic this week be like, yeah, I haven't performed since shit has... like opened up again i think i'll maybe probably possibly do comedy in august (laughs) and i was like that is so funny that you're like projecting a month out you might be into it (laughs) but i think it's awesome because like i told him i was like i mean so this is a comic who i don't want to get too specific because i don't want to put his shit out there but like basically he during the pandemic started doing other things you know he started doing um cartoons and like other stuff where he was uh, putting his creative energy into it yeah. and it's good and it brings him satisfaction, <coughs> and I guess it's bringing him more success than maybe he felt like he was getting from just doing shows all the time in New York. So I understand you not wanting to come to this back to the stand-up shit, but it's so funny to see like the guilt of like feeling like they're quitting a thing that they like does that make them bad? When I'm sitting over here being like, I want to quit, does that make me bad? (laughs) Because (laughs) it is the only thing making me sad, Jake. There's so, I mean, even before I jump into my list of complaints, how do you feel about that? How are you doing? You did stand up already a few times. I did it,
0: but I'm not like back. Like, I mean, honestly, before the pandemic, I wasn't like grinding and I also am not now and I don't, I feel really excited to go on tour. I think I'm going to do a tour and I'm going to like write some material and lead up to it. But, like, the the New York grind is, like, so depressing to me. And I guess, you know, I ran into somebody the other day who straight up just, like, read a lot of theory and stuff in the quarant- in the quarantine mm. and, like, got interested in a lot of other stuff and, like, was explaining to me, like, they, they're just going to quit because yeah. they, like, see the absurdity of, like, being a comedian right now. Yeah. And I really related to that. And I when I see the people who went back immediately it really bums me out because it feels like this was a lesson to learn something and to think about why you're doing this thing and what you're doing and the the comedy world was already so fucking absurd and fucked up to begin with the idea that it got put back together in... Everyone's, like, trying... Attempting as hard as possible to put it back together in its previous form really bothers me. Like, the same way with, like, politicians where they're, like, you know, running on, like, we're gonna bring back New York or whatever. Yeah. It's like, mayor's race? No, 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 no. New York was fucked up. Like, this was an yeah. opportunity to, like, change, you know? And uh, to me, I mean I, I mean, I was cynical about this, and I've probably said this in the show a lot, but it, to me, it just seemed like the comedy really... The, the pandemic really laid bare much of a mental illness the people's relationship with with comedy was to begin with because when you saw people just start making excuses to start going back during it you're like okay yeah. what's really going yeah. on here and then yeah. yeah with with like the return to normal I mean I, I don't know I, I'm being weird about it because like I did have a lot of fun like the few sets yeah. that I've done but like Doing comedy with a capital C, like making schedules and like putting together Sucks, Like right? <laughs> I'm gonna do three spots a night and yeah. to catch this train to do that one or whatever. That seems like such a relic of the past to me right now that I can't imagine. It just seems like if you were gonna do it, I would—I would ask you like, what do you think this is leading towards? And the answer is it's not. It's, it's just a dream, you know.
1: Yeah, man. I—I I feel exactly the same way, and even and like. From the booker point of view, I guess, like, my first complaint is this thing of, like, um, so then I started getting emails from people. All of a sudden, like, shit's back open, you know? It's all normal again. So people mm-hmm. being like, I'm coming to New York. I'm, you know, can you book me? And this is not a fucking subtweet. <laughs> this is not at anyone who emailed me. It's just that it was, like, a really weird experience. Experience to have fucking all of a sudden all these people who, like let's say LA came out of lockdown maybe like, I don't know, a month ago. And then you just start getting all these emails from people from LA <laughs> who are like, I'm going to be in New York in July. And I'm like, I run a show that has, it's twice a month. It's literally 10 spots. yeah Do you guys in LA imagine that there are not hundreds of comics in New York who were in lockdown and who are waiting also to do comedy? Yeah. Do you expect them to go to LA? to do comedy like will you book them when they go to LA
0: right
1: or is it credits and based on like relationships you used to I don't know it's very weird because I obviously like a lot of these people but it just feels like and I have I have booked a couple of LA people since I've had a show since we reopened but god damn like how do you like have these horse blinders on <laughs> that make you think that like sending an email in another city right now that has literally a thousand comedians that live there like how does that make sense, Jake? Explain that to me.
0: Well, I mean, the other thing I'm wondering is that why do they want to do the show? Because on the easiest answer is, oh, it's a job and you want to make money. But a yeah. lot of these shows don't pay.
1: No, I paid thirty bucks for a spot. What does oh. that do for you? Yeah, I mean, no, sure. If you're coming from you're LA, paying, yeah, it doesn't, make it doesn't any do sense. anything for yeah, you. And especially a lot of LA people will be like, I'll do your show for no money because they don't get paid for spots in LA. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it is just to get stage time, you know? So it is pure of heart, I think, you no, know? No, but it's
0: not just to get stage time, because if you wanted to get stage time, you'd go to fucking Columbus, Ohio or something. Yes, exactly. You, know? you can be on stage right. all the time in the middle yeah. of nowhere. It's to do stand-up in New yeah. York, which is for, like, this other undefinable ethereal reason, which is Mm -hmm. it's throwing your, it's buying a one single lottery ticket every time you do it, that maybe you'll get fucking, there will be some kind of
1: industry in the audience. But what's
0: weird is that we're still in the pandemic, kind of. I know, man. That's not really going to happen.
1: I know. I mean, it
0: is. Well, shit got made in the last year, I guess.
1: I know, but so, okay. So to connect to my next point of complaint, because my first one was that, which is like, Honestly, it's not about anybody that emailed me personally and it's not, I'm not fucking saying shit about you. Good, I'm glad to see you visiting LA. Great, please email me, love to hang out. <laughs> but um, I've just been increasingly having these thoughts about like the ecosystem of comedy, right? And I think like as a communist, as a leftist, a big part of that I think is accepting that you are a cog in a machine. It's just a matter of which machine you would rather work for, right? And I am very comfortable with the kind of cog that I am in comedy. I don't seek to be uber-powerful or uber-famous or only be around famous people. I'm not trying to climb up. I am super comfortable with the fact that my place in the machinery of comedy is I'm that middle spot between people who just started and nobody's heard of and famous people. And the people who manage famous people watch my shit to try to get new people, right? So I understand that. I don't get any of the credit. Nobody's paying me for anything. I just exist in the stupid fucking middle space for no reason. Purgatory, let's call it. But I'm okay. I have always been okay with it because, A, I get to watch the shows that I want to watch instead of having to watch something booked by somebody else. Yeah. But, B, I also do feel good about exposure, which you're not supposed to. Like like claim is a thing, but like I if there is even five people in the world being like, What's Louisa booking on her show? I do want it to be like, I'm showing you new shit, right? And this goes to self-critique that is driving me crazy and it's giving me a lot of stress. Sorry about the stool, you're all gonna have to deal with how it's creepy. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> that's yeah. the thing when we do this yeah. live. I forgot to tighten all the screws. <laughs> um, but um The self-critique here being that, you know, I always tell people like, oh, you know, it's fine. You can quit. You can always come back whenever you want, right? I've said that before on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And that is true, Jake. However, I now have to add a caveat based on the one year that I was not booking shows. It's been really hard to come back. Like, for example, a lot of my connections to venues or to like promotional outlets, they lost their jobs. Venues closed down. So I have to start from scratch in a lot of ways to figure out like who will write up my fucking show, who you know like who's the person at Time Out New York now doing the events, what venues are available to do shows, and it is harder than it was a year and a half ago, you know. Yeah. So I don't want to pretend that it's like super easy for you to quit, and then just come back, but if you ever want to come back. It is possible if you're willing to do the work of like starting all over, kind of. Yeah. And I guess my conflict is that I don't know that I'm willing to <laughs> work to start all over. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I don't know. Like I keep thinking about like why am I in this right? So like if my place in the ecosystem is providing stage time, basically, and providing um, industry access to up and coming comics if I'm not making money off of it and I don't want the power or the clout that supposedly comes with it and I'm not going to dedicate my life to doing shows for famous people and for fucking TV channels and whatever, then, like, why am I doing this? What's the point? You know? And especially when, like, some of the thing that frustrates me is when I feel, like, I get really mad, honestly. <laughs> when I perceive other people as like not having any concern for their place in the ecosystem. So like for example, when a famous comic wants to do my show, but they're like, but I don't want to be announced, then why the fuck am I having you on my show? You know what I mean? Yeah. I can put someone up who will not be running brand new material that is probably not gonna get any laughs, who will be ha- happy and proud to do my show, and they will bring their A, and the audience will love them, even though they're unknown, or I can bring your fucking famous ass to run your brand new shit that is not even tested yet. And you know, won't even do a tweet about it. Like
0: it, it also calls it a question, something really weird, which is that like, what why why do we put the names of the people on the flyer because Mm -hmm. in theory there's always this like weird put on that like you know all these people and it's like if it's a bunch of regular comics no one knows who the fuck they are yeah the the person that is doing the drop-in would be the only reason to list names uh, theoretically to but they're like "Don't, don't
1: tell anybody
0: yeah so yeah Why even have a flyer? (laughs) Like, why do any of this stuff? And why have
1: a drop-in? That's why I hate it. I hate it because every fucking person that has a show and gets a famous person to drop in, you know, they're, like, fucking grateful. They're so grateful. They post it. They're so happy that they had this because it's like, look, this is my show. is a show that Dave Chappelle wanted to come to or Dave Attell wanted to go or whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's an after the fact brag. It's. It really wasn't and, and it also doesn't come from that comic. You know what I mean? Uh, TJ Miller is cancelled and you know we're not supposed to like TJ Miller, but I will say, uh, TJ Miller is like one of the only big name comics that I ever booked yeah. that when I booked him, he like Jake, he didn't just retweet the promo. He like made a tweet. Of his own yeah being like hey I'm gonna be at this show in Brooklyn it's only this amount of money I'm gonna be doing new material come out if you want to see it show sells out because there's people who want to come and see him and right. because he did that all the other younger New York comics who are on that lineup get seen by all of TJ Miller's fans right, right, right? right yeah. so that's literally the definition of not pulling the ladder up behind you yeah and you know, it's not to big up a person who, whatever, has done shitty things in their life, but this is a behavior that is rare, that in most comics, once they reach status, Laurie Kilmartin is really good about sharing the shows that she's on and retweeting and, and being like happy and proud to be on something and sharing it with yeah. her audience. Uh, there are others, but it's a fucking it's, a, it's like rare, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the rest of the time, they just expect because I'm famous you will be happy to have me, and I don't have to do anything in return for that. And it's not about it being transactional, Jake, because I really don't mean it that way. But it should be about reciprocity, right?
0: Yes, yeah, it's just big shot shit. Yeah. This is like when, uh, you know, you used to have, like, rock stars and fucking performers that would, like, you know, you can't talk to them in the green room and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I mean, there's still green rooms in comedy, but I think comedians, even when they're big, think of themselves as these like every men and like they're still cool when they're very much doing like yeah. b- basically carbon copy with the same behavior. Yeah. It's weird that uh, what's his face? The rapist. TJ uh, <laughs> <T. J>. Miller. <laughs> <T. J>. Miller. <laughs> he was like that but I mean that's also you know goes to tell you like you can be a good person and a bad and person. And a bad
1: person, like, yes. at the same
0: time. They don't cancel each other out, you know?
1: There are plenty of good comics out there who are good people who will not like they think their retweets are precious and they will not ever share a show that they're on and honestly jake i'm reaching i'm reaching the point okay tell me okay this is me being mad but is it crazy of me where i'm reaching the point where i'm like you know what fuck those people how about i don't book you (laughs) how about you go to the cellar where the fuck it is that you want to drop in i'm gonna book the people i want to book who i believe will bring their a who will be happy to retweet the show and invite people and put people on the list and be part of the ecosystem of comedy, of providing stage time in return for providing a good show.
0: Yeah, you're free to do that. I mean, you're. F- it's weird. There's this circular aspect to it where you are free to run your shit like that. Yeah. And that also will give you, like, a certain type of comedian with, like, a level of professionalism on yeah. some level. And then that's also the reason why people seek out well, a bunch out of people will hate your, you. Well, <laughs> yeah. this is the reason people yeah. seek out your shows is... Because there's like some consistency here or whatever. So that is the role. Like, I guess if you're asking this big existential question of like, what am I doing? Why do this? Yeah. I mean, that is on some level what you're contributing to all of this that is of value. But the question is, like, does you find that fulfilling or not? Because I mean, it might, you might also look at that and do the calculus and go, this is me contributing a lot to a thing that I don't benefit off of in any way yeah. and that people then don't even appreciate. And it's like, you know, doing like charity work for, People that don't even see it, and you know what the fuck is the point of that? But also,
1: you're not supposed to be doing charity work to get recognition, you know what I mean? So, like,
0: but, but this is also when I say charity, but, like,
1: but also, this isn't charity, this right? Isn't, yeah, you're not helping no people. one needs no, to do comedy, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, this isn't actually helping people who are down downtrodden and like in a bad, no, and, that's what I'm saying. This is what's weird about it is you're yeah. just helping out
0: people who are doing something superfluous, something
1: stupid. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. Here's what's fucked up though is that. The 60 to 90 minutes twice a month during the actual show make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The comics yeah. have a great time. They, I have not had anybody bombed so far. Everybody does wonderfully and like is happy to be doing a show after everything that's happened. And the audience is so happy to be there. And it's just been great. And I get to watch lineups of people that I want to see. But everything leading up to that and everything after that sucks. <laughs> 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 I don't know how to explain it. It's like I don't I don't feel good about like telling people no for spot requests or like yeah it just sucks man. I don't like any of this. I don't know. So well
0: that's kind of what it's like being a comic. Yeah. Is like I've had that exact feeling so many times where it's like
1: Are you like the ten minutes you're on stage and nothing else. We <laughs> were
0: like, I fucking am ready to blow this whole thing up. Yeah. And like, I hate this. And, you know, you're so stressed out, and you drove for three hours to get there, and then some yeah. bullshit happened, and yada, 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 and then as soon as you're on stage and you get a big laugh, yeah. you're like, I fucking love this so much, <laughs> you know, because like, all of it is worth it for yeah. this, like, one feeling, mm-hmm. and... What do you do with that? I mean, I don't know. On some level, this t- see, thinking about it from that point of view makes me think you're just you're a creative person. You're just like the rest of us, which means you actually do like this, and you're just in a you know in a bad mood about it. About I
1: am, place,
0: you know, <laughs> which just <laughs> happens. Yeah, it happens to me so all the time. You know, I'm
1: just in a bad mood about it, and because like. Uh, I signed up for a ceramics class, I'm gonna learn to do, like, throwing, and it's gonna be, like, six Sundays next month in a row. That's
0: cool, but do you think you're gonna be throwing a ceramic wheel and be like, this is all worth it right now? No, right not. Probably
1: not, but, I don't know, I, but it also will probably not stress me out in the way that running a show does, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: So... I don't know, like part of me is like, oh, I can find other hobbies to do where I feel like I'm doing something. And then also maybe, you know, part of my guilt is that I'm not like a real organizer. Like I could put my fucking practice into actual practice or whatever and do real things with helping real people as opposed to spending my free time on comedy. But I don't know. I can't I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to figure it out. It I
0: try not to let those voices Bully me into uh, guilt about leftist Doing shit something better, yeah. because we, we are in a microscopic minority of people who even like understand socialism and organizing and stuff yeah. to begin with. So like, the second people are like giving you shit over like, oh, you're not, you shouldn't, you're not part of this because yeah. you don't you know fucking, make any
1: real change <laughs> or you know I don't,
0: it's, it turned your entire life into DSA organizing like a yeah. lot of other people did which is like you know cool but also another in, like yeah. why, why are they doing that I mean it's like when people get addicted to AA or something you know like there is what I'm saying is it's not that they're not like right in a critique on some level or yeah sure you know what if you feel that itch like and if you you want to make the world a better place
1: yeah
0: yeah it, push yourself into like trying to to help out a little bit more but don't burn yourself out you know uh i i don't know i've been kind of big on that lately because there's an accusation gets thrown at like leftist podcasters Mm -hmm. you know you're not
1: making you're not doing anything for real
0: yeah and you know if i was somebody who was a fucking political scientist or pundit or fucking historian or some thing that was you know it was uh, maybe moving in a direction where I should be speaking more publicly or organizing or whatever the fuck. Or, you know, I was involved in, a, you know, in a workplace in a way where I could organize it or something. I could, you know, I pay heed to these fucking arguments. But for me, I, I worked very hard to become a comedian who has a lot of followers. Yeah. So what I always tell people is like, you know... I could go knock on 10 doors for some political candidate tonight, or I could talk to 40,000 people like over and over and over again. And you know, you kind of, you need that out of me more than you need the other thing. And also you also need me to not be talking about socialism all the time because in order for like a political movement to work, like we're talking about trying to wrest hegemony back from liberals, liberals Mm -hmm. own everything. Right. So in a, In a successful, like, socialist America, like a world where we have some sort of foothold on things, you see a comedian like me and you don't know that I'm a socialist or that I'm, you know, liberal or that I'm a fucking whatever uh, because the assumption is not. Because you you need this this thing to be so open and inviting and inclusive that there are people that are just living their lives who are, like, passively involved in it sometimes and then actively involved in it other times or whatever. So... I don't know i mean we're like normalizing stuff
1: no i know i i think you're right and actually um over my birthday week i got a lot of messages from listeners of the podcast uh mostly women who wrote me stuff being like hey like one person said it was like i hope this isn't an insult <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> but you make me feel better about getting old right like yeah you, you know like she basically went on to be like oh you're And one of the few examples that I have seen of a woman being happy to get older and to like enjoy who she is as a person as she ages. And to me, that is something, Jake. Like it's not nothing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't grow up with any example of that. I would have loved to have heard at some point some person talking about (coughs) how to live your life in the way that I eventually wanted, like became clear on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do think a lot of the stuff that we talk about is important for artists to be considering for how they do their art and how they exist in the capitalist world. So, I, I, I don't know. And I've had multiple times that I've said on this podcast, I definitely don't think that art and narratives and words are useless. They can't fix everything, but they certainly push people towards having new ideas and finding others who share their ideas and therefore making those more likely to survive and propagate, right? And if we think of this concept of, like, it takes a village, right, which is like a saying about how to raise a child, that it takes, like, the entire village, not just the parents. Yeah. I think that progress also takes a village. It takes the people who are willing to compromise and, like, let's say, be the DSA-type people. And it also takes the people who are willing to be radicals and not compromise and continue to push everyone narratively towards the furthest extreme because it ends up just moving the window, right?
0: All right.
1: And we're not actually each other's enemies. We are contributing to moving things in the same direction. So my problem, I think, is maybe that I feel better about this podcast than I do about booking a show. Because booking a show is like a blip in the fucking ecosystem of this. It's just one show in one city in all of America. And whatever I do, there will be industry people who will pick and choose from my lineups, whoever they feel fills uh, a fucking need that they want. And fine, they're getting to do their job. I don't feel any satisfaction out of being that stepping stone for them. So I don't know, I try, I'm trying to accept that like, within the ecosystem we all play different roles and they all contribute to leading somewhere, but that makes me really mad when I get to the point of seeing someone that is actually not contributing to the ecos- ecosystem in any way. And it's just entirely selfish, even though I know that stand-up is about being selfish. <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess I'm having a real problem with like, my communist instincts battling this, like, art form that I love and that I want to contribute to as part of a whole community when all the members or the majority of the members of that community do not see it the same way. They see it as a fight for yourself and only yourself. Okay.
0: Well, a couple things about that, right? The first thing is, like, I've been thinking about that. Whenever I think... I've been thinking about starting a show every once in a while, I think. Maybe I'll start one. But, like, not for... The reasons of contributing to comedy—it's yeah. because for me, it would
1: be your guaranteed stage time.
0: Yeah, and also just want to have a party. Like, <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Like, I just want yeah, to have that's a party a, good reason to have a show. Weeks. Yeah,
1: totally.
0: Uh, I think that—that's that, why I started doing comedy. You know, it was not because there was some capitalistic goal at the end of this yeah. and like the fame and all this stuff. It was literally like catharsis. You know, really? and. I think that when I think about all this stuff that you're talking about and I ask the question of, like, why do this? If I was going to shirk away all this that I think is bullshit, yeah. this, the idea of doing a set on a Friday night with my friends at yeah. a bar and then we hang out afterwards and do karaoke is, like, totally enough.
1: That's the reason, yeah. I could
0: quit comedy and just do that. Yeah. And then that's, you know, technically doing comedy or whatever and I think it'd be fucking fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um... But, you know, I mean, you're putting in all this, like, promotion work and stuff like that. And, like, you're saying it's it's this cog that's connected to the whole industry. And I think it's probably what's, like, what's causing the anxiety here. And also it's causing, like, an existential crisis where you're like, well, you know, do you feel guilty about whether this is enough or too much or whatever. And I think, like, I guess I just really try to push back against the guilt because I have Catholic guilt and all that shit. And I'm always, like, aware of the voice in my head or whatever, the priest in your head or whatever the fuck, cop in your head thing. And, like, um, I think that one thing that we're conditioned not to do a lot of the times is, like, give yourself a break and realize, like, um, like, like I'm always, like, oh, what am I doing? Like, this is, like, yeah. meaningless. And then I realize, like, no, 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 This is, I'm standing on the shoulders of a fucking mountain or a giant, I'm mixing, mixing metaphors, but, like, I'm yeah. standing on top of a giant thing that I built that I put all the work into so if there's time to relax now and just, it doesn't feel like work sometimes, guess what? That still is work. Like even if you, under a labor microscope, looking at like what I do all day, yeah. tweeting or whatever, it is like the compounded fucking outcome of a bunch of networking I did that got like my Twitter numbers up or whatever, yeah. you know? And so now it's like, no, you the, the stuff, you know, the doing stand up right now and, and tweeting and stuff has more of an effect you just do It doesn't feel that way because you're conditioned to think, oh, I need to suffer in order for, like, a thing to fucking feel like it was, you know, a certain amount of labor outcome or whatever, but it's not. I and mean, I understand why it's distorted that way, you know? Um, the other thing I was gonna say is this kind of leads back into something we were talking about the other day at the bar, which is that, uh... So I think part of the way it's easy to feel like this and feel disillusioned in the community of comedy is because comedians are, like, individualist entrepreneur types and... I'm thinking about this a lot because, you know, I'm like a big, stupid fucking DSA guy and a leftist and communist and all this shit, and I think about labor a lot, but it's weird because in my life, I have been a bartender, uh, a fucking comic, a gig worker all this stuff, I uh, friends with, like, sex workers, drug dealers, yeah. all these types of jobs that comics do and, like, people that are just trying to live a certain way do, which are also very popular among libertarians. Yeah. So you would think, well, how does this work? How are you a commie and how is this, you know, compute or whatever? Aren't these the jobs that turn people into Republicans because they're all about, like, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to report my tips. I don't want to fucking, you know... Be accountable to anyone. I want to make my own hours, and I want to. Blah, blah, blah. And it's weird because the like whenever I talk to other like bar people or, or comics or whatever, it's impossible to get them unionized unionize yeah. or to think of themselves in solidarity in any way, because um, you know in a normal workplace, the precarity of the situation is what is working There's against cal- you.
1: But in this gig economy, there's, like, power in that precarity, you, It's right? like you
0: invert the precarity, yeah. right? So usually, a normal job, like, the, the, oh, I could get fired at any minute, yeah. is the worst thing about it. Yeah. And that's what gets you to go around and get everyone involved in, like, thinking about, like, okay, let's band this let's thing unionize, together and fucking yeah. unionize, right? Mm-hmm. But in comedy and in bartending and in all sorts of shit like this, where you're, like, a lone gunman, you know, a fucking gunslinger or whatever, is, a uh, gunslinger is a word I'm looking for, not, yeah. not... A political gunman. assassin. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, not gunman. <laughs> but um, what's interesting is these are situations where the precarity works to your advantage, and I've always felt like kind of conflicted about that because yeah. like, like I when I worked for like uh, the gig economy apps, everyone I know in like labor organizing hates them, and they're like, oh, they're evil, and it's the end of the world and stuff, and I agree because I understand in like a macro sense why those companies are ultimately evil and capitalistic and they're destroying society. But in the immediate sense, I loved working for those apps because I need to make no, my own fucking yeah. hours, dude. And the thing that always killed me, it always fucked up my other jobs was being late because I was yeah. fucking out all night doing comedy and stuff. And Or I need to quit early to get a gig. Oh, I kick it out of work so I missed a gig and now I don't know if that would have made my career or whatever. So this precarity to your advantage thing is the mode that comics get in when they're at their peak. And when they're at their best, and that's why there's the like the people that make up the community that are known as the peak of comedy are all well, gunslingers. Like I'm mm-hmm. saying, like they're all like lone wolves. So that's why you don't feel like you're in a community because you're in a community of yeah. people that are out oh, for themselves. Yeah. And they're they don't even understand the idea that we would be anything but that. So they ask you like, yeah. you know, why are you? Why are are you not getting enough for yourself? Like, is that that's why you're your, sad? That's you know. A problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what's fucked up about that is that, in the gig economy, which is bad in a lot of ways, what is maybe better about it than comedy people is that at least in a gig economy, the employer and the employed are using each other in a certain way. Yeah. Right. Like the employer wants somebody that they don't have to give anything further than like an hourly pay for this temporary job for and the employed wants no responsibility further than you will pay me for the amount of hours that I'm willing to do until I decide not to do them anymore. Yeah. Right?
0: They'll they'll still lie in the commercials and say, Oh, we love our whatever our partners or whatever. (laughs) But they also will come out up front at least and be like, you know, here's a pride ad for some lady who drives Uber She loves driving Uber because it gives her the flexibility she needs or whatever. That is really why people do it. Yeah. All that and nowhere else to go. But then
1: that throws into question, like, why am I doing this? Why are comics who don't enjoy doing this doing this? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Like, if I don't want the power, the clout that supposedly comes from having stage time available to hand out... And I don't make money off of this because I'm still in the red, although we'll, I think we'll survive. We'll see. I might keep casual sets going. <laughs> um, it still is like, I just keep thinking about like, what is the impetus for doing this if it's actually a thing that gets in the way of me doing a bunch of other things that I enjoy a lot in my life, which could include spending time with lovers, traveling, working on my plants, doing my ceramics class. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I could do those things, which do not put me in situations where I am the bad guy to people and people hate me because they feel like I denied them of some kind of opportunity. It doesn't put me in the position of having to answer all these fucking emails from people from other cities coming as though they don't know that there are thousands of comics in New York City who are also emailing me. Yeah. It just doesn't make me the bad guy to do all these other things that I enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess if I was getting something out of being the bad guy, it would be worth it. But what am I getting from it, Jake? I'm getting, like, literally right now, um, if you did one of those, like, you've ever heard, like, if you wanted to break up with somebody or make a big big decision, you should make, like, a pros and cons list. (laughs) Literally, the only pro of me running a show, there's two pros. One is I love working with Rojo. He's probably the best comic I've ever run a show with. Yeah, he's great. He's great, and I mean that in terms of, like, respects me and my decisions and doesn't like try to strong arm me with anything about his friends and who he wants to book and I respect him and what he th- like it's a great perfect really working relationship. And the second thing is as a person who is knowledgeable about comedy, I would much rather watch a lineup that I selected <laughs> than to go to any random show and watch a lineup selected by the producers there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. absolutely just An ego thing where I'm like, I know better than every producer I've ever met. (laughs) So, I enjoyed those two things. But everything else about it, asking people to do the show, telling people they can't do the show, doing promos, fucking all the rest of it. I hate it. It makes me want to kill myself. So, should I keep doing something that has such little payoff?
0: Well, okay. So, we can get all philosophical about Mm -hmm. this. And I think there is something to be said for all of that but also as your friend mm-hmm. i'm telling you from like a perspective outside of your yeah. own head a few months ago when we were in fucking lockdown and we were coming out you were like i cannot wait to do this again this is my favorite thing in the world right and so on a long this is why you got to keep other people around because like on a long timeline
1: yeah
0: you changed from I love comedy. I hate comedy. I love comedy. I hate, I hate comedy, comedy. Back and forth a and couple, couple and times, times it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so for this, mm-hmm. what this is making me think about is when I get stuck in a loop, personally, like my own I mean, like, life. I'm not
1: funny or something, yeah.
0: Or just like the grass is always greener. Like yeah. when I first moved to New York, I had a real long crisis where I was like should I move to LA yeah. because everyone from Texas moves to LA what the fuck this doesn't make any sense geographically that you moved to yeah. New York I just fucking wanted to move to New York
1: yeah. for
0: various reasons uh, I like the city more and stuff and uh you know and then I went and I did comedy in LA and I was like "Oh ah, yeah it's like nice out here and stuff and oh a bunch of my friends are out here I stayed for a while and I think the longer I stayed I was yeah. like maybe I don't like this place I miss New York and then I went back and then I was in New York for a while and I was like Man, LA, and then I was like thinking about it, and I was like, I will never be happy if I don't stop thinking about this because it's impossible to, to have it all, you know. And that's when I got really addicted to going on the road because I every every town I go to, I fall in love with. And then same,
1: so that's why I think that it is the right choice to like want to go with you on the road and Trey on the road, and I'm just gonna like hang out with you guys because this is what I realized is like, okay. Jake, I never wanted to work in comedy. I literally was just hanging out in comedy, and then comics would be like, Do you want to work? <laughs> and then, like yeah. an idiot, I was like, Sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Whatever you need me to do. And so, I'm mostly just tempted by the idea of like, I could just hang out again and I don't have to do any of this. But I think you're right about how it just goes back and forth. And I am trying to remember the parts about it that I love. And, I, and and it's fucked up because what I tell comics is to remember the parts of it that they love and that it's worth it for those parts. Yeah. But in practice. <laughs> okay. anyway. You know what, though? Yeah. Let's get
0: psychological about this, right? Okay. I think there might be something under the surface that you're not really seeing about yourself. Mmm. And it's something we're all experiencing, but, like, psychology is all about... Like understanding there's stuff you're experiencing that you That's don't, subconscious, that you right. don't understand. It's underneath your conscious, right? Yeah. So like something yeah. happened recently with me, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it the other day, and I think I kind of realized like, oh, other people are going through this. Which is uh quarantine was actually pretty fucked up. We all memory hold it, but it was yeah, yeah. pretty. You know, I don't we use the word, PTSD right
1: now, is what you're saying? Well, I don't want to use the
0: word traumatic, because it's like a fucking yeah. Twitter word or whatever, but like, you know, something really intense happened, we are all like, am I never going to be able to leave the house again? Yeah. And then it got warm outside, and the fucking vaccine went out, and then all these people were like, I'm going to fucking go back out. Yeah. And everyone way overdid it immediately, yeah. and was like, feeling, pre- like putting pressure on yourself to go back out and do all this stuff, and I think that tracks pretty hard with like the feeling pressure to do comedy sort of yeah. stuff, because you're like... Comedy is social, you know? Yeah. And so you're, you're like, overdoing the, like, putting importance on... I gotta do this because I was just shown a reality where I wasn't allowed to or whatever. Yeah. And it's just a slingshot that's going back and forth. And It's it's weird because right now, personally, I went back to spending a lot of time inside. Because I was, like, oh, I was overdoing it. And Same. I was not, like, ready. And, like, like, don't have any fucking social skills anymore. I yeah. had to begin with. But, like, you know, like, you actually... Kind of have to slowly titrate your way back up to whatever reality we were living yeah. in before. And so, if you have like a depression about it, it's just might just be a reaction to that. Like considering how much I know you love comedy, yeah. this might just be like, oh, that situation where this is like, like you, you know, you ever have somebody like look at you and go, oh, that thing you're describing, you're just depressed about it, mm-hmm. and, you, and you're like, oh, I didn't even realize it, you know.
1: I guess, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, but I I guess the thing I'm having to confront is, like, that's if that's the only thing... Oh, and maybe, actually, now that you say that, maybe the problem is that comedy is the only thing that I have recognized or, like, admitted to myself is bringing me those feelings of negativity and, like, dealing with everything in the pandemic. Yeah. Whereas everything else in my life is allowing me to pretend or, like, move on, right? Like... I don't know, new relationships, new home, backyard, new plants—you know, like everything is new. And comedy is the only thing that is still connected to like how the world was before the pandemic. So, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not of the mind of quitting entirely. I just am, you know, ex- exploring and wanting to discuss why it is not fulfilling all of the expectations and needs that it previously did because i think a lot of us are going through that and it's okay to go through that and to reconsider what your place is in all of this and whether you want to keep fucking doing it because maybe you don't and that's okay that is
0: also totally normal and okay one could even argue more normal than any of the above you know
1: yeah and yeah and that's why i brought up like it is harder to come back than you think because i very much do believe like If you want to walk away from it, you should walk away from it, take a break, and you can come back whenever you want, but I don't want us to pretend that coming back is easy. Yeah, fair enough. Coming back is still starting over in some ways. Like It's not starting over in terms of your skills, because you already have knowledge and skills that you've internalized and perfected, but it is starting over in terms of your connections, of your knowledge of the the fucking whole scene, you know what I mean? yeah. Especially the older you get. I don't know. Um, And that's why I guess I have started to understand a little bit more of the people who didn't stop. Because that was their fear. And they weren't wrong. You do lose step. Like, you do misstep if you stop keeping up with the treadmill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But but also, what does it do do for them to keep up with the treadmill? It didn't do much for them. This is one of those questions where it's
0: like, you know impossible to know which side yeah. is better. Like, the grass is greener thing. I mean, I know what you mean, though, because I used to, uh... When I first moved to New York, I would always tell people, like, oh, I can go back to Austin, and fucking, they'll just throw yeah. me on stage, and I can headline, and yada, yada, yeah. yada. And that's true to an extent, but every year I've been away, that's a it's little bit less true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like mm-hmm. At some point, I'm gonna go back yeah. to that town, and people are gonna be like, who the who fuck are, are you? you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah. oh, right, you can't... That was... A, consequence of the decision of leaving that town which yeah. is like just part of it you know Yeah. and uh, that's like you know you see what I'm saying a, but it would be the same I think about that I think
1: about like if I stopped booking shows and somebody oh who somebody had a tweet I'm always so bad at mentioning and did I, I don't know who. I, I don't know if I told you but I did, like a few episodes ago I mentioned somebody's tweet and I couldn't remember who tweeted it <laughs> and then the comic texted me It was like I finally got the why you mad mention and you couldn't remember that it was me. <laughs>
0: I'm, like, oh,
1: I'm so bad. I never remember.
0: Oh, yeah. Who was it?
1: Uh, Matt Ruby, actually, who did a tweet about, uh, I don't know. See? So before I forgot your name, now I forget your tweet. But I remember your name. Uh, but what was the point of this before this? Oh, I
0: forgot. I was trying to go back to Texas and they don't remember you and shit. and Leaving comedy and you come, you can't, after a while you really do lose the connections and stuff like that.
1: Hmm. yeah, I forgot what the point was, but...
0: I don't know, I mean, but, the other thing about some of this stuff is, like, when someone is depressed, or when I am, I think a good symptom of it is that they ask you these questions, and they dwell on this stuff, Yeah. or I do this, and, like, you're the other person looking at them, and you're like, these things are all true. Normally, we drink alcohol and avoid them, and yeah. have friends, you know, have fun times with our friends and shit, and yeah. hang out, because this is all just a microcosm, of the way that we deal with death, which is yeah. if you sat around it and you dwelled upon it all day, you'd waste all your fucking time, you know? Yeah. So,
1: But also if you avoid thinking about it all the time, you also waste your fucking time. Yeah, you know? I mean,
0: I think there's a healthy medium.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't want to make uninformed decisions. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: so what you're saying is I should watch, I think you should leave. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Well, because I brought it up before. we segues on this podcast Yeah, now? this is what we're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it is the next thing on my list. As I hold my nicotine gum in my hand. Oh, nice. Um, proud of you. Thank you. This I'm will... trying. We're going to go smoke a cigarette immediately after this podcast. <laughs> Don't be proud of me. Um, the I think you should leave. It's the next thing I fucking have on my why I'm Mad list. Because, Jake, I know this is going to get me canceled. Okay? but
0: I already got canceled. This. Over this?
1: Did you have a bad Let opinion Let me know what your it? thing is. Tell me your
0: thing first. Okay, so my thing <laughs> is that uh, I I really liked the first season. Mm-hmm. I have not seen the second season. I'm going to watch it probably today or tomorrow. Um, none mm-hmm. of what I'm saying has anything to do with judging the quality of the show. I think it's great.
1: <laughs> but, uh,
0: you know, I'm a fucking sound co-
1: like me <laughs> contrarian
0: or whatever. Yeah. And, like, what I find disturbing is that I sit down, I watch the show, I really enjoy it, it has a really specific sense of humor... I get online, I get on Twitter, everybody I know on Twitter is enamored with it, yeah. and I do not like it's being annoying, right? told that yeah. you are supposed to like something, ah, and no. so I look at it, and I go, you know what? This As a is...
1: contrarian, it's very annoying to be on the majority side.
0: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: like, what? <laughs> I've worked my entire life to never be on your side. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. But
0: I guess it kind of caused me to have like some kind of crisis, because I was like thinking about it, and I was like, okay... Am I laughing at this show because it is objectively funny? If I were to have been shown this without the context of everyone on Twitter yeah. and everyone in cool comedy would you liking it, it would I have particularly filed it away as this is a funny thing, funniest thing would, I've seen right? this year? I don't know. And I think it's impossible mm. to engage with art in that context because art you is social you can't right?
1: engage in, it in a vacuum yeah. but what
0: bothered me about it was that uh, I always get stuck on this thing where I'm like I think Twitter is forming into a person like a singular person <laughs> that has a singular taste <laughs> and I'm like at some point it's like Dr. It's Manhattan like gonna we gonna fucking, have to fucking
1: defeat. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: it just bothers me that like yeah. there are rules on that website it's like we now. all
1: contributed to him but now we all have to fight <laughs> <bite him.
0: laughs> <Yeah, yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it likes John Wick, and it likes yeah. to, it likes fucking uh, Uncut Gems, and it really likes this show. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a, collect, that's a phenomenon, I'm yeah. sure. Like, I don't know where it comes from. I have my suspicions that there's one or two people that really have their hands on the gears or whatever, but also it doesn't mean anything. But what it does is it, it gives me a crisis where I go, wait a minute, I have a precious amount of time in my life to consume certain things that I want to learn from and benefit from. Am, are we all operating off of a curated list of the things that we're all going to collectively watch together and consume and is, is maybe I should get the fuck off Twitter because yeah. like I'm looking at the next few years of my life and it's all like prescribed out like oh we're all going to watch this and then we're all going to yes. watch I think you could leave should, should leave three season three and then after that we're all going to watch the next John Wick movie and I'm like well I'm not an interesting person if I don't have a fucking experience it's different from that
1: I totally agree jake like uh so person, I said, oh,
0: by the way i said that we got mad as fuck at me. I, okay we're about to get because <laughs> they together. love we're, the show and it's not a criticism of the show show's I know. good
1: this is a criticism of the fans right and yeah. i totally agree and here's the thing like it's fucked up because i i do espouse ideas about like paying attention to popular art right even if you don't think it's like Aesthetically of the highest form of art. If it is the most popular thing, then it merits your attention because it touched a it touched something within the majority of people, right? Yeah. Therefore, that automatically makes it canon. But it also makes it a little suspect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so much about who I am, honestly, is my identity is being the kind of person that brings up things that people thought they would dislike and that I can convince you you should like them because there are things within it that were valuable. Yeah. Whereas I think that being the kind of person who loves the thing that everyone else loves is, like, contrary to the kind of person that I am, right? So I admit that I have a bias and a resistance towards anything, which includes SNL, of, like, this is the dominant fucking cultural thing. Yeah. I do want to study it in an academic way, but I will almost never enjoy it, basically, is the way that I see it. And then, uh, today, I saw that Vulture did an article. I didn't read the whole article. Please go read it and form your own opinion. But they did an article that was interviewing, I think, a writer. I think you should know. I think you should leave. And it revealed several things in the parts that I read, which were that... uh, What's his face? The main guy in the show.
0: Uh, Tim Robinson. Tim
1: Robinson. Thank you so much. I'm... I'm not a fan, I told you. So, Tim Robinson, <laughs> apparently he was on SNL for one season. Oh, I read this, yeah. Yeah, you read that? Yeah. And that when he was on SNL, he, like, wrote to his friend being like, this was, like, the worst time of my life. Like, he was like, I, I think that maybe I should quit because I am not funny. <laughs> you know, like, SNL yeah. was the kind of institution that made him feel not funny. And, like, he was wasting his entire potential in his life by pursuing it. And then, he goes off and he gets his own show, and the next thing I read is that basically uh, the whole first season of the show were rejected sketches from SNL. So he oh, took, interesting. Yeah, so he took the majority of sketches that got rejected when he pitched them for SNL, yeah. and he made the first season of his show out of them. And I haven't watched it, but all the fucking people on the internet fucking love them, right? I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I haven't watched it, so I'm not criticizing him in particular. Um, But it is a thing that I feel like we should all be thinking about because sketch, well, before I go into criticizing sketch, it is weird that the dominant institution for sketch rejects so many people that we who are knowledgeable about comedy are like, you are crazy. Like James Adomian not getting on SNL, crazy. Fucking Tim Robinson not feeling successful on SNL, crazy. Multiple people that literally died from cocaine usage trying to be (laughs) funny on SNL, crazy. All in this, like, pursuit of getting this one fucking old white guy's approval of what you should do. And I do think there's something to consider there about how weird it is. The, The, like goals that we set to, ver- to validate us because when you think about Tim Robinson wanting validation from SNL that sounds crazy to me as a person who has never seen this show based on the way that people react to I think you should leave versus the way that people react to SNL Yeah. because the way that people react to SNL as not a fan of SNL is you have 35 sketches in an hour and a half or two hours and a half or however long that show is Two of them are good a year. Literally a year.
0: Yeah, it's so funny whenever one is good that like it's like a... They
1: write an article.
0: Yeah, like, oh my god, they did a good sketch. It's like the story of the week in comedy or whatever. Which is weird, because that's the bare minimum...
1: If it was stand-up, nobody would write a joke... Of, nobody would write an article about how your fourth joke was really good. Yeah. But all the other jokes were good. Like well, yeah. it reminded us of,
0: of, of yeah. back in the 90s when he was good at comedy or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. That's how uh, the, the Simpsons is now, is every once yeah. in a while, there's, like, a story about how, like, The Simpsons wrote an episode and it feels like a season like five or kind. whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like... Well, good. That was try number (laughs) 7,000. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'll be honest with you, you know, to begin with, um, I almost feel like even if you disagree with me in what I'm about to say, you should take into account what I'm saying because I'm an objective observer instead of being, like, a fan of sketch who did sketch and who, like, believes in sketch forever. Yeah. I... I'm a person who watched SNL and Matt TV and all this stuff, and in general, I felt like sketch is not good. (laughs) 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 Don't write me emails about this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But I genuinely think that sketch is a bunch of good ideas, sometimes (laughs) executed well, almost never executed with a good ending, okay? And hear me out, because in stand-up, one of the like demanding factors of stand up is that if you have a good idea for a bit you need to formulate that into the right wording that a makes it a punchline and b makes it a like has a closing loop to it right uh-huh. like you can't just be like here's a good idea Anyway, next topic. <laughs> and that is what Sketch does. Yeah, every sketches, single time. Sketch is
0: all premise, no punchline. No punchline. punchline.
1: Yeah. yeah, dude. And I can't I can't handle it, Jake. And then I just I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good impression, that's a good whatever. But you fucking literally took it to step A and B, and then you fucking fell off the cliff at C.
0: <laughs> there are some people that are good at Finishing sketches, it's happening. There
1: are some people who are good at finishing some sketches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest. <laughs> and I do think that it should exist. I'm not saying that it's not an, a valid art form, but it just is so crazy to me that it is like the most visible form of comedy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like SNL is much more visible than stand-up. Well, okay,
0: here's the funny thing about that, right? Yeah. Like you're sitting here saying, um, yeah, like we all think SNL sucks or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, on some level you're right. I do and you do and everyone we know yeah. does but like in the grand scheme of like everyone, the reason the SNL's institution is because the vast majority of people are just dumbass kids in high school who actually think it's great. And like this always comes up when uh, people talk about like millennials have like a snobby like point of view on music where we grew up with uh, you know new metal was really big yeah. and then we were all like people of a certain age anyway oh that's for dumb people I listen to Radiohead you know <laughs> and like we all make fun of okay a yeah. lot of comedians use Nickelback as a punchline yeah,
1: punch yeah. but
0: like if you go to a Nickelback show it's like a sold out stadium yeah. that's the biggest stadium in the world someone yeah. is going to this shit people
1: love it right yeah.
0: people do like this yeah. stuff and the question I guess is why and like you know with all that stuff we could get into it. Like I don't think Nickelback is a good band. Like I don't really get it, but I get that people get it. And also I That's kind how of... I feel about sketch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, like not a good not a good comedy, but I get why people get it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, to me I guess so the thing that jumps out at me immediately is um you know, most people in America are put through this like meat grinder of uh, being formed into a person which starts with kindergarten and then it ends with senior year right and like in that you have elective classes and it's like you either go to art class or music or fucking theater and so there's just a percentage of people in our society that are you know it's a a type of person now a theater kid or whatever and so it doesn't make any sense it's like i mean i guess on some level it does kind of make sense because this is the country that like has hollywood in it so like yeah a lot of people are going to work in, in production but it's just kind of bizarre given that like how many different types of jobs there are, and then what we're training like a quarter of the students in America to yeah. do is like theater shit. So there's, I like people I know that went to UCB or like even more heartbreaking went to like the improv schools in smaller towns that I lived in who were like their dream was to go to New York and go to UCB or whatever. They're all part of this other scene that conceives of that as the thing that you work your way up to the top of and then eventually you're on this one TV show that is the pinnacle of like your entire art form. And to me, it all strikes me as just like painfully middle class and white or whatever. (laughs) But also that's most of america yeah. is middle class and white so i can see why that's i something. agree can
1: we call this episode um i think you should hate sketch no, <laughs> no probably not How about i uh, think you should quit <laughs> i think you should quit i like that we should do that that should work yeah yeah i don't know because i think just um, i think you should quit comedy <laughs> uh, um, i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch the show no
0: dude it's really funny okay so like in defense of the yeah. show i'll say this yeah. When I was talking about having this crisis of like, oh, do I like this or not? Or I've whatever. never
1: not liked... I mean, I have liked a sketch in the past. Uh, I like mango. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: mango-esque, I'd say. Um, I did like Connor O'Malley a lot, who was mm. on it, before I ever saw the show, okay. and he's on it. And so you yeah. get a taste of like, oh, this is this person's kind of oeuvre and mm. like worldview or not worldview, but like, yeah. this is their their scene that kind of coalesced around a show or whatever and uh, I and that makes me feel better because I think when he was being a maniac on Twitter and releasing those videos where yeah, he's screaming yeah. in a parking lot a couple of years ago I really liked them and they were super niche yeah. so I don't feel like I'm on a bandwagon when I see him on the show and I watch it and I'm like no 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 no, no. this is a voice in my head I yeah. do actually like this it doesn't really mean all the other stuff I said is untrue, but I'm also, the worst case scenario is not happening. And the worst case scenario that I'm entertaining myself with is, does this suck? And I'm, like, doing an Emperor's Clothes thing and going, it's great because I'm supposed to. I don't think it's true.
1: Well, that's my worry, because I do think that that's true with SNL, to be honest with you. And, oh, this is actually something, Kath, who's been on the show, friend of the show, she tweeted something where she was like, um... I think she wrote a piece about it. Did she? Yeah. Oh, well, she retweeted something today, I think, where she was retweeting the piece, the Vulture piece, that uh-huh. was about the person that the, like was talking, honestly, about the sketches or whatever. Yeah. And Or the piece that was talking about how uh, Tim Robinson didn't, like he only did once, one season in SNL and didn't feel successful at that season. Yeah. And she retweeted something about it being like, this is evidence of how like the person that you think is super funny might ne- not necessarily like, bloom in this environment, you know, like, or she was like, oh, this is evidence of the fact that the problem with SNL is not the people they get to write for them, right, to correct myself, so that really hit home for me, because I do think SNL has some really great writers working for them. Yeah, there's great writers and yeah. there's great people in the cast, They have too. really great people as writers and as cast who are also good stand-ups, yeah. who write good material that has punchlines, and they do understand punchlines. And then when I hear a story like Tim Robinson got all these sketches rejected, but then on his show people fucking love them, make like even drives, drives home the point that whatever SNL is telling them is not the end-all be-all of what is actually funny about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so overall, it just makes me want to be like, why? Like, I understand that this is the biggest show that gets to most households in all of America, but it's also a problem that it frames comedy as being sketch-based when sketches, I think, are like a loose idea that a stand-up couldn't get to be a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, oh, we need visuals. We need act outs for this to be funny, and I can't wrap it up in a punchline, so let's make it a sketch. (laughs) Like, that's the way that I feel about it. And I feel like people who are good at sketches, you're good at acting, and you're good at the idea, but you're not good at the execution of wrapping it up into a punchline. And we should be talking about that more. Like, there is something... I don't know, questionable about the fact that this is, like, I, every time that I sign on to Twitter, people are talking about sketch shows. When in reality, nobody goes to see Love Sketch.
0: No. It fucking sucks. It's weird. <laughs> it's. I mean, I make fun of stand-up as an art form all the time, but, like, Literally, People go to
1: see Live stand up. Yeah, day.
0: no, it's a thing that you could walk into yeah. off the street. Every time I've ever Nobody seen. Goes
1: to see sketch, sketch
0: or like to a further extent. Yeah. Improv. <laughs> you know? Like it's like understood your family and shit. <laughs> that it's a bringer. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the school kind of makes other students yeah. go to watch it and Absolutely. then you have to bring your friends and family. And no one in their right mind would ever go like, mm-hmm. let's
1: go out on a date tonight. Do some improv. I <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's why it's a fucking cult. Is because yeah. it's
0: like, it's more of a thing it's for a the performers. Yeah. than It's like a sport for yeah. them more than it is like, yeah. you know, a, a thing that it has any duck eat.
1: hunt for audience members. Yeah. I mean, that could be a whole other fucking podcast itself. I have
0: thoughts, but like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I sure. I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes though, like it's weird because I I agree with you, but also sometimes when I see sketch done really well, I do I admire it. And I. But think, also,
1: improv done really well is really good.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I will make fun of improv yeah. until the cows come home. But yeah. when it's done like really well, I will stand up out of good. my chair and yeah. stand over Nick Kroll like, is yeah. very
1: good at, at all improv everything he does. It's almost disgusting, and you want to be mad at him because he's like a rich white guy, but he's so good yeah no when it works i mean you have to hand
0: it to him you know but the thing is like you sketch i I will say like i don't know if i can agree entirely 100 percent, with the way you're reducing it to Mm because like at least as a comic when i watch it sometimes yeah i can see like okay so this might be a pyramid scheme for rich kids who basically are forming into sort of like a sea org style you know (laughs) cult yeah but in the process of that they sat down and wrote a textbook that has some mechanics that are very impressive that I don't think yeah, I yeah. can implement myself and like the heightening stuff and the oh you can tell they're doing a fucking whatever move yeah, or whatever yeah. some of it's very cool and now I, know. I yeah. often feel like I couldn't do it as a comic because I'm like well what I do as a comic is more organic and this is like scientific and structured in a way that I don't fucking understand but, you know, I might just be No, I completely agree
1: with you, because I also am like, they're on a national network every week. What am I talking about? <laughs> you know, like, why do you give a fuck if I'm critiquing uh, this it's, very it's, successful it, system that has been working for 30-plus years, Jake. It's also
0: very fun to make fun of that show, because it's so I popular it's and powerful. <laughs> fuck it, you know? But I
1: think it's <laughs> mostly bad. And I do think that, like, if you start looking at it as batting averages, right? Because, honestly, with comics it is a batting average kind of thing where I would say to you, I think bookers and comedy fans look at comics as a batting average kind of thing. Either I can, um, be sure that you will almost always bat. I don't know, baseball stats, (laughs) but like I can (laughs) be sure (laughs) that you'll almost always do well. Yeah. Or it's a gamble that sometimes you will do well and not do well. But with sketch, It's almost never guaranteed you will wrap this up and do well. Like, their stats are literally, like, I am willing to bet that if I watch I Think You Should Leave, less than 10% of the sketches are 100% the best thing I've ever seen in (laughs) comics. Well, I mean... Whereas, I can name you fucking 50 comics right now that I can tell you that if you watch their, their set... They will be. They will have a higher batting average All than right. a sketch. Well, I think you should
0: watch a show before you say that because I will. It's pretty good. No, I know. I
1: will. I will. I will.
0: But also, just maybe think about something, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, the other thing about this, right? Yeah. The other thing I always think about when I think about comics versus sketch and improv people is, uh, why do you? Aside from the class stuff that I was yeah. talking about, why is someone more attracted to like a group thing versus this fucking yeah. individual thing, which is what comics do, right? And That goes back to that shit I was talking about earlier. The safety with, net, like, well, with like gig worker types yeah. versus like, I think improv and, and uh, sketch people, also by nature of being kind of middle class, yeah, these are like office people. Yeah. these are like people with fake email jobs. Totally right? fake
1: email jobs. And yeah.
0: they conceive of everything probably yeah. in a way that is more collective, like that, and mm-hmm. and it's the uh, the opposite side of the coin that I was describing earlier, where like comics are like, I'm gonna do this alone. The risk is that i might die the Mm -hmm. reward is i might get rich as shit and like yeah Yeah. yeah
1: no i totally i totally get it i know and that's honestly why i guess i'm mostly perplexed as to why i see a lot of comics praising or even paying attention to sketch because i don't see them as people who are doing sketch or interested in sketch. I think
0: early on in your comedy career, it's very safe the way like yeah. an office thing is. It's yeah. like, yeah, our show, our show, because of the fuck, there's only one like moonshot you can get yeah. with your thing. It's like, Oh, I'm something I'm going to do in my 20s. Maybe I'll meet a significant other yeah. in it. You know, it's, like, we're and probably not going to make SNL. it. <laughs> but because it's, like, yeah, actually that. such a huge crapshoot, yeah. you don't even entertain the idea yeah. that you'll get on SNL. Unless yeah. you're one of the real psychos, right? Yeah. But with comedy, like, there's a bigger chance that you'll, like, was the metaphor, like, roll a fucking seven or whatever, yeah. that, like, everyone is obsessed with it yeah. all the time, you know?
1: I love that. Framing it as a fucking gambling addiction because... I think that's what's keeping me here. I guess is the gambling addiction because I can enjoy just hanging out, but I like gambling as to whether or not this would be a good sh- showcase. It's <laughs>
0: weird. It's weird. You know, I, mean, I was telling you earlier about how like all I want to do is have a party. Yeah. But at the same time, part of what makes comedy exciting is the gamble. Like
1: I'm leaning a hundred percent into the gamble. So nobody, I hope that if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you love us, so you won't read this badly, but. I have decided that July is already booked, but as of August, I'm going full on with the gamble, and I'm just going to go with the people that I love and that I think should be on shows, and I don't give a fuck about credits or who's famous or who draws or where the fuck. It's just going to be the most (laughs) Louisa show (laughs) (laughs) you could ever get, (laughs) and if I go out in Flaming Glory... In August and September based on those lineups. Yeah. Then fuck it. At least I was my real self. And then I know nobody wants to buy that and it's not marketable in capitalism and I can quit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. I have plenty of other things to enjoy me to enjoy in life. Um, but it very much feels like I'm willing to take this gamble right now, just being like fuck it. Well, okay. Let me let me clarify. So one of the things that happened with the uh, pandemic is that like I came back and I tried to kind of like pick up where I left off and do the kind of lineups that I did before the pandemic. And then I looked around and I realized that like a lot of the clubs and even late night shows are doing lineups that are similar to what I was doing Uh pre-pandemic. So it's like almost like they caught up to me in this year that I took a break, you know? So I now have to reset my clock to be farther ahead of what they were doing. So I am going to make the effort from August on to not be booking the same kind of people that are booked at clubs and late night shit and other things, even though they were my favorites, but they're, they've already moved on to these things, you know? Yeah. It's time to, like, if you think about what, what you can actually contribute to a scene or to a community or whatever, to an art form versus... If you're just replicating what anybody else with your contacts could do. What I can do is bring you people that aren't being highlighted right now. So, fuck it. I'm going to do that. And if I have to go out in flames <laughs> highlighting the people that don't get attention right now, then fine. That's, that's the only thing I have to contribute to this ecosystem.
0: That's uh, what the kids call based.
1: Yeah, That's I'd fucking love it. cool. Send me some stickers, some Sharpies, some poppers.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah anything else i do have a whole thing about freezing your eggs that made me mad this week or like for several weeks but we can leave it for the next episode we don't need to make women mad Love you women. <laughs> that's um, a teaser for next yeah, time yeah teaser for next time anything else you want to bring up
0: no i think this is good
1: i did drink a michelob ultra organic seltzer spicy pineapple <laughs> flavor <laughs> and i just want the all the listeners to know it's actually pretty good yeah <laughs> yeah
0: I could see mm. that. Mm. I drink a blueberry lemonade Montauk hard seltzer. Too filter. sweet, right? Nah, I'm kind of into it.
1: You liked it. I though.
0: think if I drank a beer first and then try to drink this after, I'd be pissed off. But yeah. as a easing into drinking, pretty well, nice. Well, to inform
1: the listeners, what happens when you have a backyard is like people come over and they bring all their juices and drinks of preference. And then I just end up with a fridge full of hard seltzers that I don't recognize. <laughs> and that's what Jake <laughs> and I are drinking. Yeah. But anyway... That's right. where I come in. Yeah. He's helping me clear out my fridge. Uh, write to us at whyumadpod at gmail.com. We'll do a mailbag the next week. Next week. Uh, anything else other than that? Casual sets, NYC, Luisa Diaz nuts, all the stuff. Favorite oh, jokes. I'm going on
0: tour. Um, I have not put the stuff up. It's going to be in the next few days. I'm going to put everything up. But yeah. it's basically the Southwest. I'm going from Houston to LA to Vegas with my friend Avery Moore. So I love that. If you're okay. anywhere out there... and buy a ticket
1: do it support send us pictures i would love that okay uh that's it bye
0: bye why are you mad why are you mad why are you mad why are you mad